Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. Y- you got... Ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my. Um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Meundies. Comfort. From the outside in. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes. I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- Oh, The Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will mm. sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need- to help you drift off into the dreamland. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients, 
so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we've made it through a long off-season, and we are at the threshold of history being made with the next season of The Bachelorette. Season 17, the 18th Bachelor, Katie Thurston, who had the lowest Finishing place. The Bachelorette. What's that? Yeah, called her. You called her the eighteenth Bachelor. Oh, sorry, the eighteenth Bachelorette. I didn't mean she to discredit the... her. <laughs> but she had the lowest uh, placing finish of any Bachelorette in the history of the game at eleventh place. The next closest was Hannah Brown at fifth. What is the average placement for uh, the next Crown clues? The top, the best position to be in. Oh, third place. You want to go out in third place. That is statistically the most likely (laughs) placement to garner you a crown the following season or even in subsequent seasons. Many notable players have gone out in third place to go on to win the crown. Your goat, Caitlin Bristow, is simply one of them. And her partner, Tardik, was a third place finish as well. Tardik ain't got no crown. They offered it to him, but he never got it. I know, but... I just think it's cute. They're both number three. But we know who's number one in that relationship. All that said, what we're going to do today for you is break down <laughs> night one. What we're going to be seeing next Monday night. We're going to take you through everything that happens in a night one. We're going to talk about what you should be looking for. We're going to be talking about what players should be doing to progress through night one. What they should be avoiding in order to stave off ruin. And we're going to get into some of the statistics and stuff that really define what is essentially the biggest piece of pageantry that the game offers. Night one is unlike the rest of a season. It's almost kind of a game unto itself because it comes with it. This crazy statistical probability of over 33% that you're going home on night one. A third of all the players get cut without ever getting a rose, without ever moving into the main season of the game. And if you've given up two months of your life, you've at least blocked that off to potentially be on the show. You've dropped maybe $10,000, dollars $40,000, who knows how much, into your wardrobe, your makeup. You've gotten your hopes up. You've been through the casting process. You've done all this shit for the past however many months. You and posted then- it on your Instagram. And then you just get X'd. You're gone. You get to have a couple of tears in the early morning light. And that is all. Goodbye. So you want to avoid that, obviously, if you're a player. And the bubble seasons, they've also had to go through excruciating up-the-nose COVID tests, as we saw during Tasha's season, Clacia's season. Yeah, I think those tests are done, though. I don't think they did that on Katie Thurston's season. No, I know. <laughs> I think they did that for dramatic effect. But they had to quarantine, at least. 
Clues, I'm so excited about this. I feel like we've been just inching through a desert. We're parched. We're so thirsty. There hasn't been any relief in sight. And now we have come upon a beautiful oasis that is Katie Thurston's season. It is on the horizon. It is starting in one week. And like we were saying, it's historic because at the very least... I'm not even talking about Katie Thurston's low finishing placement and how she became the crown and all that. I'm talking about the Dark Lord. For the first time in the history of this program, Chris Harrison is not hosting the season. We've seen some little blips here and there in the first COVID bubble season on Clay's season uh, 16 of Bachelorette. He left to go take his son to college, and they brought in JoJo Fletcher to replace him for a week. That's the closest thing we've seen to him not hosting a full season. And then, of course, Emmanuel Acho took over hosting duties at after the final rose uh, last season, season 25 of The Bachelor. And we haven't seen Chris Harrison in an official Bachelor product since that moment. We are not going to see him, I believe, for the duration of this entire season. It's going to be Tasha Adams and Caitlin Bristow doing double duty to kind of fill in uh, and and represent that host slot, which primarily is just there to move the game forward, to say, end of standard play, and now it's the rose ceremony, and then to say, congratulations, you've moved into the next round, now this is going to start happening, now you're going to get group dates, now you're going to get one-on-ones, hometowns are coming, fantasy suites are next, are you ready, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of the job of the host. So we're <laughs> going to see how they can replace him, but as I said, this is a first. In the history of the game, it's been on the air since 2002. Mm -hmm. Chris Harrison not involved in at least this season. Time will tell if he comes back in perhaps more Bachelor in Paradise, Michelle Young season, or the next Bachelor. But we're here to talk about night one, the the biggest massacre. You know, a third of the players going home at the same time. It may seem all doom and gloom if you're a player, but there are also two of the most valuable trophies in this whole game that can be won on night one. First of which is the first impression rose. This has been in our game since season five, Jesse Palmer. Of the 21 players who have secured the FIMP rose, only one has been sent home the very next week, while over half have ascended to the final four, which is really where you want to get. But don't put all your money on the FIMP, because there's another flower that's even more important. We call it the first flower, and that's the first rose that's giving out, given out in a rose ceremony. A lot of people overlook this, but it actually has greater advantages than the FIMP. Since the start of the Paradise era, this is season 19, Chris Souls was the first season of the Paradise era, the first flower actually has an average finish of 3.28th place to the Fimp Roses 5.21. So you're actually statistically looking at uh, almost two placements higher than first impression rose recipients and the first flower has produced three crowns to the fimps one and four ring winners to the fimps one so statistically speaking 
you're Wowie. trying to get that flower. That's the one that really has this kind of huge statistical benefit. Everyone but, always talks about the FAMP. Oh, the FAMP. It means you're going to do so well. It means you're guaranteed hometowns. First of all, not guaranteed hometowns. Second of all, you're ignoring the first flower, which is more important. It's like the subtle, hardworking twin. Fit, but don't. Fimp. I'm not knocking the FIMP. That they fimp keep in gives a closet. You an immediate Instagram boost for getting it. it you're going to stick around for a little while, very usually. You, I mean, you do make it far in the game. It's just not as good as first flower. But. All that said, let's get into the mechanics of night one, how it really breaks down. So a night one traditionally has four parts. You've got your limo exit. You've got your cocktail's first half, cocktail's second half, and then your rose ceremony. This is basically like the four quarters of a football game, basketball game serves pretty much the same function. And each one of these four parts has kind of their own strategies and their own things that happen within them. So let's just get into it. The first part, round one of night one, is that limo exit. Your limo exits are basically your opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. There is the, all this pomp and circumstance. It is the formal declaration of commencement of every season, dating all the way back to the game's premiere on March 25th, 2002. During that first season, every player exited the limo and did a handshake blandy with first bachelor Alex Michelle. We didn't even hear most of those conversations. Certainly no one was in costume. Absolutely no one was arriving in some crazy car or inside a wrapped present etc but the limo exits have evolved those players didn't know what this was no one knew what this was the producers didn't know what the fucking show was the players certainly didn't and it was like oh okay they're they just took us from a hotel now they're kicking us out of these limos and there's a guy standing there i have to go say (laughs) hi to him and whoever had the idea for this limo exit whatever producer was like okay this is going to be the format of the show we're going to bus in all the women in these limos and they're going to walk up and meet the guy for the first time. I don't think in that moment they ever would have thought limo exits would become what they are today. No. Certainly, I, I mean, none of the players, like you're saying, in that first season, it was a fucking handshake. Hi, my name is. And they walked straight past him into the limo or into the mansion. And now, 25 seasons later, the game has undergone drastic changes, including, by the way, as it got more successful in ratings, ABC started giving them more time. So episodes would be blown up from an hour to two hours. In some cases with night ones, you get a three-hour extravaganza. So they got to fill time with something, and limo <laughs> exits have become uh, much more entertaining, bigger, crazier in some ways. And so now in 2021... And beyond, we have... We now have the, people arriving in sports cars, police cars, zipped up tight in a piece of luggage even. It has become... It has it transcended even the use of a limousine in some circumstances. The limo exit is an idea of an entrance. 
It really is, for me, I think it's the most entertaining part of night one. I think it's what we all tune in for. They use these limo exits, especially the big crazy ones, in their promos. This season for Katie Thurston, we have a guy coming in a giant present. We've already seen that. We've got a guy dressed up as a cat. So we have all these different types, and we're going to go through those now. There are eight basic types of limo exit that any player can choose from in order to make their entrance and there are also combinations of these but the basic types are this there is the bland entrance which we call the The blandy it is the the bottom barrel basic entrance this is what they did on night one what every player did you basically walk up you say your name nice to meet you some variation of that this can also include a hug or potentially a little kiss on the cheek, but nothing more. You're just saying, hello, nice to meet you. I'm nervous, looking forward to this. Something along those lines, and you walk in, and that is it. Nothing is pre-scripted. It comes off as very natural. This is often looked at as a very 4TRR limo exit because it's seen as you're not trying to capitalize on your 15 seconds of fame, like some of the other ones might be. Yeah, you're not trying to capitalize on your 15 seconds of fame, but you do have an Instagram and it is public and you are going to sell SpawnCon if you can. But here in this moment, you're conveying, I'm just here to meet you. So that's the bland entrance. Then we move up to the stand-up, a.k.a. the standee. This is a little different. It's like a bland entrance, but you're coming in with a pre-scripted line. It can be a joke. It can be a pun. In some cases, people perform songs. That's a part of this too. In some cases, people have props. That can be a part of it. But it's basically a little performance that you have pre-scripted that you're going to deliver to The Bachelor as you walk up to him. These are often used as memes in the, va- in the discourse of the nation over the following week. Some of the jokes are delivered well. Some of them are delivered poorly. Some of the most successful ones, for instance, the goat herself delivered a standee to farmer Chris Souls and said, you can plow the fuck out of my field any day. This was a bo- both a charming and vulgar one-liner that had to do with Chris Souls and just... It cut the tension. It broke the ice. It was very successful and launched her brand of being this comedic personality throughout the whole season. And we've already seen in the promos, Katie Thurston is going to steal a player's standy thunder when he comes out in a full cat costume and she takes his pun from him. She says it before he can. And that brings us to our next limo exit. The trick or treat, a.k.a. The tot. That's when you dress up. You can do this in a full body costume. You can do it in just a head costume like JoJo Fletcher did when she came out of the limo wearing only a unicorn head. You can even use uh, like a pilot suit or a pair of sunglasses, cowboy boots. It can be any minor thing all the way up to a full body suit. But it basically is just you're wearing something other than the cocktail dress that everybody else is wearing as they go in. We have had a couple successful players do tots. You have Claire Crawley did a 
a fake pregnancy taught. You had Jojo Fletcher with the unicorn mask. But a taught generally is very attention-seeking and might have you perceived as being 4TWR for the wrong reasons. But a limo exit, that will definitely have you perceived as 4TRR is the Santa Claus or the Kringle. This is a limo exit that has a player coming out of the limo with a present. We've seen a whole bunch of these. Cassie Randolph gave Colton Underwood a butterfly from a little box that she also incorporated a standee into where she said, you give me butterflies, now I'm going to give you one. And we've seen food being given. Players coming in with pizzas or candies or what have you. Uh, Food tots are very good. Sorry, food kringles are very good. I think the best type of kringle is the type that Aliyah Benavidez did during season 24, Pilot Pete season, where she gave PP a letter written by her grandmother and then said, find me. And then they opened and read that letter later that night during their mini date. This gives, this reminds the bachelor of their meeting, which by the way, the bachelor's meeting so many people, you're just trying to stand out in some way so that you are not going home night one. It gives you an activity for your mini date, your second encounter. And that had an attached emotional significance for their one-on-one time he's automatically learning about this character in her life. And another great way to make an attachment with The Bachelor is by using another kind of limo exit, the It It Takes takes Two. two. The It Takes Two requires a player to come out of the limo, approach The Bachelor, and then engage The Bachelor in some activity that requires him to participate. A very common one, we've seen this happen time and time again, is a player will take The Bachelor's hand and put it over her chest and say, feel how fast my heart is beating. You can also go up to the bachelor and make him <laughs> dance with you. Who was it that did the woo pig suey? Was that Raven? Or Tia? I always confuse them. Raven. So Raven made Nick Vial scream woo pig suey. A pig call from her small hometown in Arkansas. But basically the it takes two just makes the lead do something with you. Some kind of usually it involves a physical touch, but it requires their participation. It can be a kiss as well. We've seen that happen from time to time. Mm-hmm. It can be a forced proposal. We saw the coof do this on her limo exit. It basically taps into this psychological phenomenon of enhanced memory creation related to sharing this experience together. This is going to help you stand out because The Bachelor is forced to participate in some activity. He is doing something. He's more likely to remember it. Our next limo exit is the Aloha. Aloha. This simply requires a player to come out of the limo and say something in a language that is not English, at least for the American show. So this can either show a little bit about your culture, if you come from a family or some other home circumstance where you know different languages and potentially you speak different languages with your family. It can also illustrate that maybe you went to school to study this kind of stuff. And I think we're going to see 
a, an aloha from, I forget this guy's name on Katie Thurston's season. He's the guy with the kind of anime hair that has all oh. the pictures of motorcycles on his Instagram. Yeah. He's into Japanese. And he studied in Spain. I think he can speak both ah. Spanish and Japanese. I think he may give us a dual aloha, two different languages. Ooh, combo. I like that. Um, we usually see at least one or two every season. Definitely the romance languages seem to have been more successful. Nicole Lopez Alvar on season 23 spoke the Spanish version of Half of My Heart is in Havana, but hopefully the other part is with you to Bachelor Colton Underwood. And she made it to week five and dominated Bachelor in Paradise as well. And then we have a bit of an exotic limo exit called the, the sidecar. Side this is when a player comes out of the limo with someone else. Now, this is extremely rare. It has only happened a couple of times in the history of The Bachelor. But it has happened. Season 21, Jasmine Good exited the limo, said a few words to Bachelor Nick Vial, and then beckoned out Neil Lane, the Bachelor franchise Diamond Demon, to emerge from the limo and pick out a ring for Jasmine. It was very comedic. It was referential to the process. Securing a third party who is closely related to The Bachelor or the franchise is very for TRR. Helps with a successful sidecar. We've also seen a grandmother. And then, of course, we have the final limo exit. This is the Cadillac of all limo exits. This is the grand entrance. The The grandy, grandy, as we call it. And all that is required to do a grandy is to get the producers to agree to help you come into the game (laughs) in a way that does not use the limo. This can be like Becca Martinez on season 23, drove in in a sports car. It could be like Lindsey Cox, the first grandy of all time, rode in on a horse. It could be literally anything. It's going to be the guy in the present on Katie Thurston's season. That's a grandy. It's any limo exit that doesn't use the limo but you're using something else and these limo exits always get screen time they always get all the players in the house to crowd up against the window and be like oh shit look she's coming in on a camel or whatever the the thing may be lacy mark the grand entrance is uh it's what we're all watching for these are the big events basically in the the series of limo exits that we're all anticipating. So hopefully we're going to get some other good grandies beyond just the box on Katie Thurston's season. Yeah, my favorite is Kiara Norman on PP season zipping herself into a piece of luggage, which also had to do with The Bachelor being a pilot. Themed grandy. The amount of resolve it takes to be like, well, all right. This is my idea. I'm going to get a piece of luggage. I'm going to get in it and zip myself up in it. And then to actually do it, <laughs> to carry that out. Yeah. I mean, holy shit. That, I'll never forget that limo exit. It was beautiful. But that's it. That's the, uh, the eight types of limo exits that you can expect to see on this upcoming season on night one. So now let's talk about Cocktail's first half. This is the second round of the game. 
This actually starts after the first limo exit. So it's kind of going on concurrently with the limo exits. As players start to go into the mansion, they get to start meeting each other for the first time. As they're watching other people come in and looking at the different limo exits and stuff, you also get access to an open bar. And we have to warn anybody, whoever goes into our <laughs> beloved game at this point, it's going to be um, real tempting to just start drinking yourself into oblivion. But we think as players, you should not drink at all on this night. You should, in fact, fake that you're drinking, like Hannah Ann Sluss did on season 24 of The Bachelor, to devastating effect. So people think that you're drinking with them, having a good time, but instead you're keeping your wits about you. And Hannah Sluss actually did like fake sips. Mm -hmm. There's video of her tilting the glass back and not taking a drink, which is fucking brilliant. We're going to have to see if the guys of Katie Thurston's season can do that as well. You can also leave the drink on a shelf and just keep getting drinks and leaving them around. You can pour out the drink in the toilet. You can get a non-alcoholic drink or you could perform an oopsie. This is more of a theatrical performance, but you can basically drink in hand, making sure that you're on camera, trip or on a carpet or on a step and send the drink into the air, crashing on the ground. Other people will see you as intoxicated and won't see you as a threat, but we all know that you will have your wits about you. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that, but this is an experimental strategy we've come up with. We think it could be helpful. But what else happens in this first cocktails round is that as you're meeting the players, you get to start sussing people out. This is where rivalries can start brewing. It's where friendships can start brewing. And it certainly is where players can start selecting their teammates. And team building is something that we will preach until our dying day as one of the most important things you can do in the game. And it starts on night one. This is where you're really building your relationship as a player with the second audience, trying to figure out who's going to help you, who will not sink you potentially. We see teams start building even in the limos between the five or so players who are grouped together. We recently saw an Instagram post from Katie Thurston of her with the other people who were in her limo. So those friendships start building immediately. And when you're picking your teams, you want to do that very strategically. You want to be on a team with the people who are going to go the farthest. You want the front runners. You want to avoid the villains. And sometimes this can be hard to suss out. Especially with the guys. Because I feel like guys are all a little aggro on night one. Like, no matter what your actual personality is, everybody's a little like, I got to mark my territory. They've got a little bit of that in them. So it can be hard to make a good friend immediately on night one, but if you can cut through that initial kind of level of competition that all these dudes are feeling and find somebody that you can roll with, it can pay extreme dividends. And we're going to get to the first impression rose in a minute, but certainly whoever gets that Fimpros, befriend them immediately. You want to befriend the Fimpros. You want to befriend the first flower. You also want to befriend the alpha limo exit. This is the person who exits the limo first. And you also want to befriend the omega limo exit. This is the person who exits the limo last. Often these two places are front runners. And that's a good, that's a good mini indicator of who the producers think will do well. 
Another thing that's going to start happening in this cocktail's first half is your old ITMs. If you're a player, this is the first time you're going to get pulled from that room. You'll be sitting there talking to your dudes. Oh, this guy could be my friend. He likes video games. Oh, this guy could be my friend. He likes football, whatever. You're going to be in the middle of a conversation. A producer is going to come tap you on the shoulder and be like, uh, excuse me, we need you to come with us. They're going to usher you into a room, close the door, cut you off from all contact with the other players, and you're going to be sitting in a chair across from a producer with a camera in your face, and they're going to start asking you questions about which guys do you like, which guys do you not like, what did you think of The Bachelorette, et cetera, et cetera, and you're going to be delivering your first ITMs. And this gives a player their first chance, really, to start initiating their colorful narrator strategy. And we're going to see that one of these players on Katie Thurston's season is going to become the colorful narrator of night one. They're going to be saying funny shit about the other players. And they're going to be giving us this kind of like play-by-play narration of what's going on that night in a comical or otherwise entertaining way. You want these to be as positive as possible. You're celebrating the other entrances of the other players. You're enjoying this experience as much as possible. You're not shitting on the other people. That is key because then you're going to start leaning into that villain edit. And a good way to do this is to watch some of the other limo exits. Often you can see them from the door and then you can come back in, come up with a quick one-liner. Oh, that, you know, something about the cat or something about the present. As soon as you see each of these items, start coming up with these ideas of how you could describe them in a very charismatic way. And there's some that you can come up with even before entering the game because there are certain things that you're always going to face. If there's a player who's very young, you can come up with a line for that. If there is a player in costume, you can come up with a line for that. These are things you can prepare in the preseason to prepare you for colorful narration on night one. And then eventually, the first half of cocktails is going to come to an end. This is how that happens. You get the last player exiting the limo. He comes into the mansion, or in this case, he comes into the resort in New Mexico. <laughs> and then you're going to get your host, who used to be Dark Lord Harrison, but now it's going to be Tasha and Caitlin. They're going to be outside with Katie Thurston. They will tell her, you met these 30 guys. They're great. Do you see your husband? She'll say, yes, I'm feeling excited. Maybe he's in that room. And they're going to tell her the sacred words. Let the journey begin. We've already seen them say that in the promo. Dark Lord Harrison has said it every season at this moment. And they basically release the Bachelorette to go into this mansion, or in this case, the resort. And she's going to come in through the same door all the guys have come in. And she's going to walk into this room where all the guys are going to be positioned in a horseshoe shape. This is the inauguration chamber. This is where the lead, in this case the Bachelorette, is going to deliver her inauguration speech. This will be a toast to finding love, to being excited, to whatever. In Matt James' case, it was a prayer to Jesus Christ. A prayer. <laughs> but I don't think Katie Thurston's going to give us Curious a prayer. Curious to see what Thurston's inauguration speech will be. Probably different. I am too. I think it's going to be a very good one. But once the lead gives that speech, they do a little toast. And cocktails round two, cocktails second half, has begun. 
And the first thing that happens is we get a player stepping up to fulfill the role of first, first responder. This is a crucial fucking role. The first responder generally is the person who grabs the bachelorette first, often bringing them her favorite drink in hand, delivering it to her just as she finishes this toast. And often if you're delivering that drink, you can get the first conversation. And that this is so important in night one. In night one, you want to make sure you're one of the first conversations so that you are memorable, but also so that you make sure that you don't turtle because there are always players who turtle on night one at this point. Turtling has been built into the game. So we have players going into the rose ceremony being like, well, I hope she remembers me from my limo exit because I didn't get to talk to her. Often this is because they introduce some other things that we will get to coming up. But first responders, and this is something that you can do on group date after parties as well. It's something that you should get used to. Um, we had Claire Crawley calling out first responders and was like, no, no one wants to be a first responder on my season. <laughs> no one jumped in. Yeah, she recognized the game mechanic. It should also be noted that turtling is our term for when a player gets no time, basically. You don't get to talk to the lead all night long. And we've seen now in recent seasons, the producers are actually manufacturing forced turtling into group dates by interrupting them with crazy curveballs or, or derailing them in some other way. But This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. The first responder also, traditionally can be given to players who have already set up a good colorful narrator game because producers will reward that. Like uh, Demi Burnett, for example, she was a clear and immediate colorful narrator and she was given that role of first responder in her season. Corinne Olympios did that as well in Nick Vial's season. And she ended up being the first responder on several group dates as well. You could tell that it was a strategy that had worked for her and it continued to work for her. A lot, often that first conversation will be the longest one. Other players are nervous. They don't know how to time out that first steal of the night. So the first person 
has the conversation that's most immune to interruption. This is a bit of an experimental strategy, by the way, if I may. If somebody first responds before you, don't give them that time. You give them about a minute, you watch from the shadows. As soon as they sit down, you walk up, tap that person on the shoulder and be like, hey, dude, uh, the producers want to see you in the main room. I don't know what it's about. Love that. <laughs> they are going to be obliged. They have to get up and go see what the fuck that is because the producers control everything. And then you just swoop right in. You sit right down and you tell Katie Thurston, I just made that up. I just wanted to talk to you. And I, oh I couldn't God. think of any other way. You'd be honest with her about it because she can't ever find out that you lied about that. But I think it would work perfectly. Food for thought. I, I think it would work as well. And you'd get some of those first responder benefits being the first real conversation of the night, the first mini date. But however, you're going to get time with the bachelorette. This second round of cocktails initiates a certain strategy, a tool, if you will, that all players are going to have to use at least once if they want to survive one of these big group after party or cocktail parties. And that is the steal. I just mentioned a little experimental strategy about lying about the producers <laughs> wanting to see you in the other room. But there's many ways to steal. You can do it cordially. You can give a player enough time and then say like, hey, man, would you mind if I talk to her? You get a little mutual agreement from each other and you get to swoop in. You can also do crazy kind of rambunctious steals. You can do multiple steals in a night, which is a hard thing to do. You have to be very careful that you don't seem like you're overstepping your bounds or like you're taking up too much time. But certain players have done it. Hannah Sluss uh, on season 24 did it twice. And got the fimp that night, got the first kiss, went on to win the ring. She was probably the greatest night one player we've ever seen. But you have to get good at stealing or you will face the strong likelihood that you might turtle. Two steals is definitely the maximum that we would recommend because otherwise, if you do it too many times, you can end up landing yourself a villain edit Catherine Agro in season 23 did this. I think she stole Colton Underwood four times and was quickly painted as the villain. And we have seen crazy ways that people attempt these steals. I remember Onyeka blowing the whistle. We've seen people throwing paper airplanes. We've seen all sorts of stuff trying to grab the Bachelor's attention. But you're going to want to time this out perfectly. What you don't want is to an attempt is to attempt a steal and that steal is blocked by the other player being like, "Oh, can we actually get some more time?" And people can be successful in blocking steals or they cannot be, and it kind of depends on the bachelor to on it kind of depends on the bachelor or bachelorette to rule in which person's favor when there are two different players who want different things. Yeah, blocks are a fucking death, especially in the eyes of the lead because it's like you tried and failed. The lead literally is sitting there watching you attempt to get time with them, attempt to demonstrate higher value than the person they're talking to, and you fail in that attempt. Now, I know logically on the surface, that means nothing, right? Ah, oh, it's just a weird game, blah, 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 blah. But on that sub-psychological lizard brain level, you fucking suck. So do not get blocked. And there's even precedent for a hyper-aggressive counter-steal technique that we call the Italian steal. 
because it happened for the first time in season nine when local Roman players, Agnese Polizza and Cosetta Blanca, had then bachelor Lorenzo Borghese stolen by two American players, Lisa Blank and Erica Rose. And they immediately tracked him fucking down and stole him right back, like seconds later. It's a high degree of difficulty play to be able to do the Italian steal, but if you can pull it off, it's, it works like gangbusters. Yeah, what you're going to want to do is hover nearby where the crown is talking with the player to try to time it in the exact right way. You don't want to come in when that person is telling like a horrible story about their grandmother dying or something. Like you want to set yourself up for success. Setting yourself up when they have an awkward pause in the conversation, that is ideal. So then it comes off like you're saving them. Every player other than the first responder is going to have to be able to steal. So this is a skill that every single person needs. Um, as far as during the mini date, you want to keep the conversation light. You should convey some sort of enthusiasm that the chosen person is the bachelor or bachelorette. You don't want to play a PTC on night one. This is an emotional tool you want to leave for later in the game, a personal tragedy card. And a thing that you definitely do want to try to do if possible, even on night one, is get that first kiss. You know, in the the first seasons of Bachelor, this shit did not happen for a long fucking time. Nobody kissed anyone on night one. I think season four. Season four was the first night one kiss, yeah, with Bob Guinea, because he was also the first Bachelor to ever come from within the franchise. He was a player on the first season of Bachelorette. Tristas. But you can now kiss at will. Multiple players have gotten kisses on night one, and very usually it's a good sign if you can, if you can initiate your chemistry game very early on. And from what we've seen in the promos of Katie Thurston's season, it looks like there's a lot of kissing. We don't know how much of it is on night one, but I'm willing to bet. <laughs> we definitely know she's going to kiss the cat. But there's certain things that you could do to make a kiss more likely. You can come up with kiss lead-in lines. You can... Make sure that your body language, you're very close together so that you're just inches away from a kiss already. You don't want to be very far down the couch far away because then it's really hard to initiate a kiss. And that's just true for life. <laughs> that's right. The bachelor imitates <laughs> life in some ways. Yeah, you don't want to be diving over a whole couch. But while you're trying to get these kisses, while you're trying to get these steals, you can also be doing mini dates. Now, there's a wide variety of ways that players handle their one-on-one time with the bachelorette on this first night some guys will just sit there and have a conversation talk about your family talk about whatever your job what you're looking for in a partner but some guys will go out of their way to set up kind of elaborate mini dates complete with props and all kinds of other shit and at the very least the more elaborate the mini date the more likely it is to get a good amount of screen time especially if it's something the producers had to help you set up. So we're going to be looking for those types of mini dates that sometimes we'll call back to the grandy if they did it. Like Becca Martinez did that on season 23 of The Bachelor, Mm -hmm. drove in the sports car, and then her mini date was sitting in the back of the sports car asking Bachelor Ari Leyendike, what what were things, three things that excited (laughs) him? And he said excitement and pizza. So... (laughs) 
iconic. Yeah, it was. I'll never forget it. Um, <laughs> sometimes the mini dates are super elaborate and clearly require the producers to be on your side. We saw this season 23, Colin Underwood, with Tasha Adams, future crown. She set up this whole scaled down carnival called Tasha Land in the driveway of the mansion, which required stage direction, lighting, custom props. Um, there was a pony ride section, which got Colton to give her a pony ride around the driveway, which was a great way to break the touch barrier. The more you can plan this stuff out and create these ways of bonding, but it's not too forced, the better. And then at a certain point, you're going to get something that happens in this last half of cocktails. The fimp is going to be brought in on a little marble tray, a silver tray, a wooden tray, some kind of ornate presentation device will be associated with the fimp, and <laughs> the host is going to bring it in. That would have been the Dark Lord. Now it's going to be Tasha and Caitlin? Are they both going to bring it in? Are they both going to have their hands on the silver platter? It together. It's going to seem like such a yes. weird satanic ceremony like some kind of ritual you know if they're both holding the platter i think they're going to just send one of them in probably that feels more natural <laughs> probably Tasha. oh fuck i hope they come in and like hooded cows i'm gonna i'm gonna guess that Tasha does it but we shall see once this comes in uh the player pool gets filled with anxiety the competitive level boosts through the fucking roof. This is why the producers do it like this. It's why they bring it in for everybody to see and they set it on that fucking table right in the middle of as many players as they can so that everybody's like, oh shit, the first impression rose. Things got real. And you'll see those ITMs where people say, you know, what effect seeing the Fimpros has on them. Always they have those ITMs. Like you could feel the mood in the room shift. And look, we shit on the Fimp earlier. We were like, Fimp is nothing. First flower is great. The Fimp is still a lot. A lot of the Fimp recipients get to hometowns or further, I think around 53%. Again, their average finish is 5.24 place. And there is a psychological phenomenon associated with the Fimp, confirmation bias which is basically once the bachelor bachelorette has made their very first decision, it's going to take an overwhelming amount of counter evidence to convince them that this was incorrect. They will interpret new information as confirming their previous beliefs about the player, leading to a string of roses that take little effort to acquire. We should also mention, by the way, these statistics that we're giving for First Flower and Fimp only relate to the bachelor. It's, it is different in bachelorette. Oh, right. The yeah. FIMP actually carries uh, a better percentage of making it to the end because bachelorettes traditionally have, I think, a little bit better kind of uh, initial gauge of who they like than bachelors do. There's definitely more FIMP ring winners on Bachelorette. That's for sure. Well, just a little, a bit of advice. If you are a player, don't, don't, don't sit in the room with the, the FIMP. FIMP. Almost every fucking season, you get this shot of the lead coming in, picking up that Fimpros off the platter and going somewhere else, going to another room, going out back, wherever, to deliver it to the recipient. So if you're sitting in the room with the Fimp, chances are you're not getting the Fimp. 
and chances are very high that you're going to be forced to watch the lead come in pick that fucking rose up and walk away with it with that kind of like sheepish smile like <laughs> sorry guys i'm not giving it to any of you bye so if you just want to avoid that don't sit in the room with the fimp it's a very simple thing to do yeah you avoid that anxiety you also avoid just that phenomenon of them looking you in the eye and saying not you subconsciously <laughs> the next item of cocktail second half that we are going to discuss it's not clear at which part of the night it's going to happen. That's because we're talking about a night one curveball. In recent years of the game, it is almost guaranteed that producers are going to insert some catastrophically disruptive element into the game on night one. Basically, the aim of the night one curveball is to produce as much psychological distress in the players as possible. Sometimes this has been, I think maybe our first night one curveball was season four. Bob Guinea's mom entered and she interviewed a bunch of the players and the women weren't expecting that. We've seen Hannah Brown come in on PP's season, PP's ex, to come to interrupt the cocktail party, force some players to turtle and have a conversation with PP throwing him off his game as well. Basically, players should be ready for anything to happen. The bachelor is probably going, the bachelor or bachelorette is probably going to be thrown by what happens. They're probably not prepared as you are having listened to Game of Roses and prepared yourself (laughs) for this game. (laughs) The most prepared, the most professional player. No, it's true. The night one curveball is something you don't see it every season, but in recent seasons, you do see it more and more. And it's just, it's one more thing to kind of add to the list of shit that happens every season that is proof positive. The producers are not trying to help anyone form a relationship. They are trying, in fact, to destroy that possibility (laughs) at every fucking turn the fimpros is designed to do that when they bring it out on the tray and make everybody nervous the night one curveball is designed to do that to just fucking blow up whatever is happening take all the attention and momentum away from any relationship that might be building and now focus it on this other gigantic crazy thing whatever it may be i'm curious to see what they're going to do to katie thurston i mean we've sort of predicted it already not as a night one curveball, but the five new players entering the game, that is the type of thing that is a night one curveball. Mm. Sometimes we're seeing it a couple episodes in, but I mean, the present seems like a night one curveball, a mystery player. But is that present? Are they pushing the present into the fucking, or not the mansion? I keep saying the mansion, but it's the resort. Are they going to push that present all the way into the fucking resort and just that guy's going to stay in the fucking box the whole time? Like, he comes out of the box out in front of the limo, doesn't he? Or no? Do you think he's just in the box? No, I think it's inside. <laughs> no, fucking, you gotta be kidding me. I think she opens it inside. Oh, shit. That's so good. That's. I thought it was just, like, he comes out in a box and, hi, I'm your present. If he's fucking in the house, sitting in that fucking box, talking to We've people through the box. that box indoors. We've seen people handing the box drinks through a hole. Oh, my God. Oh my God, I can't fucking wait for this. I can't fucking wait for this. What? That's a genius idea. Do you think he will get her to come into the box with him? 
If he's smart. God damn it. Now I'm looking it's even more It's going to be so funny if he's like so fucking sweaty. <laughs> he's just <laughs> yeah. drenched Come in into sweat. my box and it's just fucking wet in there. She's like, oh, no, thank you. Or it's like there's there's one episode of It's Always Sunny where Frank Reynolds like sews himself into a couch and then he like births out of the couch and he's fully nude <laughs> and sweaty. <laughs> it's hilarious. But probably not going to get you front runner status entering like that slimy and naked but that's it if you can survive the night one curveball the fimp and steals and turtling and not getting too drunk and if you had a decent limo exit the hosts are going to come out and they're going to touch knife to glass we hope i don't know what Tasha and Caitlin are going to do? We can only hope. <laughs> I hope. I love the Tings. The Tings are a time-honored tradition that Chris Harrison started in the very first season where he walks in at the end of standard play during cocktail second half and he brings a knife to a glass. Ting, ting, ting. And this is basically the buzzer in a hockey game or basketball or the whistle at the end of a quarter in football. It's saying... Standard play. That time is over. This round is done. You can play no more. And now you got to face the music at the first rose ceremony, the night one rose ceremony. This will be the most players made to stand and get executed, basically, that we will see in any round of the game. Because obviously there are fewer players moving into the subsequent rounds, but also each of those rounds has more zero point roses. This night only has one the FIMP. But the next week, you're going to have a couple of group date roses. You're going to have a one-on-one rose. You may have weird specialty roses, knock-knock roses. Who knows? But at least a couple of players every week after this are going to have roses that they've gotten outside the rose ceremony, and you're going to have fewer players. But on this night, you're looking at, I believe we're going to have 29 players facing the music at this fucking rose ceremony, and like 10 of them are going to go home. It's rough. But every player is going to have to stand probably on risers in this large room for hours and hours silently while Katie Thurston calls each of their names and hands out roses that are all in a pile on a podium. When your name is called, you give a brief smile and then politely maneuver around the other players, make your way to the podium. Thurston will say player will you accept this rose we've seen this phrase uttered since the very first rose that was given out amanda marsh in 2002 got the very first flower she was the ring winner on that season and you can give some response we recommend a little flourish something that makes you stand out from the crowd but obviously not too much so it seems like you're trying to get your 15 minutes Some people just say, yes, I will. Of course, some people say a thousand percent or darn right, I will. You know, you give your little Southern accent brand a little, you hit your brand a little bit in that moment. What we haven't ever seen, and I think there's room for this in the modern game, is somebody delivering like a poem or a song, something that takes like 30 seconds or so to really (laughs) make sure they understand. I I like this rose, a rose by any other name, you know, something like that. I think we could start to see something like that in the same way that limo exits have really evolved to take more time and be more elaborate, more intricate. I think we could start to see rose ceremony, rose acceptances doing something similar. 
I'd like to see a guy mm. do a front flip off the risers to accept the rose. Ooh. Like they do on Price We've is Right. We've seen people do like little celebration things, like do a little fist bump or something like that. Demi Burnett did really cute like rose acceptance lines, I remember. Mm-hmm. She made the most of any minute she was on screen. It was fantastic. But the only other thing that we can possibly see at this time in rose ceremony in the modern game is a Hail Mary. If there's a player who thinks they're like definitely going home, they might attempt a Hail Mary and be like, uh, excuse me, Katie, can I talk to you for a second? Um, and we see these at rose ceremonies throughout the season, actually, especially when cocktail parties have been canceled. You could also fake an IFI here. Injury, fear, illness play. Now, we saw Sarah Trot do it. Hers, I think, was real. But we saw Sarah Trot do it in season 25 at a rose ceremony. She already had a rose at that rose ceremony as well. But she kind of passed out and had to go, you know, have the medics seat her. And Matt James came over to make sure she was okay. I Honestly, I think an IFI during the rose ceremony night one is a very strong move. I think it would be very hard to eliminate a player on night one who just passed out during the rose ceremony. Especially because... It doesn't really matter on night one. You know, the the line between getting eliminated night one and just being a floater who's going to stick around till the next week is essentially nothing. That's just some kind of, it could almost be random. But if you IFI right there, like if you've turtled, for example, on night one, IFI during the mm. rose ceremony, just take a spill off the back riser, cut your head, get some damage on you so that, you know, it's like, oh, fuck, I can't send this guy home. <laughs> Love it. (laughs) By the way, during the rose ceremony, you should be aware of what you are doing. You are going to be standing there forever. And if you're scratching, you're itching, you're doing weird shit with your tongue, all that stuff is going to be on camera. You should just be aware of that. Whether you want them to have that footage or not. They're going to use that footage. They're going to cut it to do whatever the fuck they want. Also a good time for face play. McKenna Dorn was a fantastic rose ceremony face player doing all kinds of weird shit with her tongue and her lips. Just get your screen time. This is really the last moment you might have Mm. of your entire fucking career to get any screen time. So use it if you can. And then if you can't, if you've, if you've done anything right, you're going to get a rose and you're going to be, you know, cheersing with the bachelorette with 20 other guys. If you've done something wrong or you haven't done enough you're going to wind up with the curse of with the Tam Sig. <laughs> the Tam Sig. DLH, Dark Lord Harrison, <laughs> aka Chris Harrison, used to do a thing that we called the Tam Sig, T A M S Y G, because he would always come out and say, I'm sorry, gentlemen, if you did not receive a rose, take, take, a, a, moment, moment, take a moment, say your goodbyes. Say your goodbyes. And if you are told to do that, that means you're a night one guy and you're gone. You're an NOG. Sorry. You came into this game. Maybe you gave it your best shot. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you got regrets. Hopefully you left it all in the field. Nonetheless, you're fucking going home. And then you walk out of the mansion, or in this case, the resort, into the fucking cold light of late morning the next day because you've been up all fucking night doing this. And the producers are going to try one last time to get you to cry on camera. You can decide to do that, to give them tears. That's going to give you screen time, especially on a night one where not everybody who gets kicked off night one gets a final exit speech. The ones who cry usually do. So you might try to do that, but... I would cry. Yeah. Definitely cry. But by the way, if you do get a rose, 
and you get to continue on in this game, you are going to want to note the order of the flowers that are called. Note who gets a first flower. That's a front runner. Note who's getting the last flower. That person might be getting a villain edit or that person, there's something going on with that person. They usually reserve those last two slots for the um, culmination of whatever the plot point of that episode has been. And after all of the night one gals and girls are gone, the crown raises a glass, leads the remaining players in a toast. Y'all clink your glasses together. Feel free to add in a little line if you like. Ideally, you've pre-prepared a lot of different toast lines. And rest up for the game that is to come. And there's a small percentage possibility that we don't see the rose ceremony on night one. This happened on season 24. Season. Because Hannah Brown came in, derailed the whole fucking night. Their night one curveball literally blew up night one. I am hoping that doesn't happen here. As you know, if you've listened to this show at all, Pace Case and I <laughs> like the fucking structure of the game. We want a rose ceremony at the end of every episode. I can almost guarantee that will not happen, but very usually on night one it does. That's the, the one night where it's like the least likely that they would interrupt the structure mm-hmm. but it does happen that's what i'm saying you just gotta gotta be prepared for that to be unsatisfied <laughs> by night one <laughs> <laughs> emotionally prepare yourself to watch this game you have no idea the, like the emotional preparation i've been doing for this fucking thing it's been like two weeks long i've just been like going through the permutations all right well if this happens what about this what about this oh shit what if this happens i don't know I'm ready for anything, I feel like. And even saying that, I know there's going to be shit that happens in night one that is going to blow my mind. Oh, no. Expect the unexpected. By the way, if you are a night one player, don't feel too bad. A third of the players are cut. And there is a potential for paradise there is a potential for podcasts if you play your cards right which is almost no one does but grocery store joe did he was a night one guy now he's one of the hosts of clickbait he's the most successful night one guy in the history of the game in my opinion i mean we just found out from jason tardick they offered him a hundred thousand dollars guaranteed and 2.5 percent of ad revenue of clickbait to be grocery store joe basically and he turned it down i don't know what they offer grocery store joe but if it's even 75% of that, Mm -hmm. that's pretty fucking good for a night one guy. Totally. And he rose to that level of success through a strong paradise run where he met Kendall Long, who was the third place finisher on Ari Leyendijk's season, season 22. So all is not lost if you're a night one guy, but you hope that you are not one. And that's it. That's what we are looking for on night one. That is what you are about to see in seven short days. I can't believe it, Pace Case. We've come (laughs) to another season, and that old familiar feeling is creeping back in. I fucking love it. Yeah. Your hand's starting to shake. I know that I say this a lot, and if you've listened to this show, you know that I do too. (laughs) But we keep getting like better at being able to analyze the game every time we go through another season. And now it's kind of refining small points, you know, Certainly, like I think that the large, broad strokes of the game mechanics and stuff we understand very well. But every time we go through a new season, 
and some new shit happens, like with Dale Moss on uh, Claire Crawley and Tasha mm-hmm. Adams' season, or even what happened last season with Matt James, like the disaster that it was. All these kind of new elements that the producers like are throwing in every season, that's what excites me. It's that the game we watch can change and does change almost every season. There are new elements, new things added, players doing things we never thought were possible, leads doing things we never thought were possible. And I'm just very excited to see what this season holds, what it adds to the evolution of the history of the game. And how they brand Katie Thurston as well. You know, as an 11th place finisher, we didn't learn that much about her. We learned she had... She's sex positive. We learned she has a PTC, which she only played to Sarah Trot. I'm expecting that we'll hear more about that, um, which was her father dying. And I'm also just very much looking forward to her social media through this season. We're seeing what she's doing in the preseason. It's extraordinary. Yeah, she's the first player in the history of the game to come in with multiple hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok. For me, that's kind of a watershed moment that's like, okay, TikTok is now in the game. It has made its appearance. Instagram has dominated the parasocial post game for a long time. Really since the Paradise era started, season 19, when you started to see the rise of your Andy Dorfmans, your Jojo Fletchers, all that kind of shit. Now we're moving into this next era where I think Instagram is going to start becoming less important. TikTok's going to fill in that gap. And Katie Thurston is really the first player to do it. She's the first bachelorette, certainly, to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the show trying to bridge a generation gap. Yeah. Trying to keep going forever, as I believe it will. At least outlive me. Maybe not the sun. It's going to outlive the sun. Humanity will be <laughs> far away from Earth. We will be living in space. Musk is on it. Colonizing different planets. And still there will be Bachelor on all those different planets. It's in 37 countries currently. It's going to be in 37 million different worlds. Is it in 37 countries? I don't know if it is actively, but it has been, yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And this time next week... We're going to be coming at you with our first game breakdown of the new season. So get ready for that. Before that, we will have one last Twibbon on Thursday where we will we will start games again. We will go through where all the new players are on Instagram, perhaps TikTok, and start charting who's going who's gonna to rise. The new season begins, and so does that race to a million. Cannot fucking wait. And if you haven't checked it out, yesterday we just put out a brand new Patreon episode that is a digging deeper of three different really crucial podcasts that came out this past week in Bachelor Nation. It's Kelly Flanagan's conversation on Chicks in the Office. It's Becca Martinez reading a piece of one of her contracts on Chatty Broads. And it is Dini Baby's Unglert's appearance on Jason Tardick's first episode of his new podcast, Trading Secrets. On that podcast, they talk literally about how much money they made for being on the show, what they make for SpawnCon, how they position their brands after coming off of Paradise. Just some fascinating shit. And we go into great detail about what all of the most important clips from those different podcasts mean. So go to 
patreon.com slash game of roses and you can get full access to that episode and every other episode we've done all of our live shows creatures of the weekend which are exclusively on patreon and a bunch of other weird (laughs) shit is in there as well that we think you would like so please check that out if you have time patreon.com slash game of roses p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot c-o-m slash (laughs) g-a-m-e-o-f-r-o-s-e-s (laughs) <laughs> that one's for my mom still hasn't subscribed <laughs> making it easy ma <laughs> and before we go as always what is the dwab at it has been 7,008 days without an Asian bachelor praise be our beloved game rate this podcast please review this podcast please get a friend to listen to us and then please, 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 please rate this podcast please review this podcast please get a friend to listen to us and then please, please, please rate this podcast Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.